0: Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I really have always enjoyed knowing uh, something about Joseph, and uh, the, the more I'm in the Word of God and the more I study and learn, I find out there's a lot of church early church history uh, that was developed uh, beginning somewhere in the, uh, in the uh, around 300 to 350 AD, somewhere in that area. That much of it, some of it goes back as much as, uh, besides the Word of God itself, about 125, 150 AD. And so uh, there would have been a lot of living people still that it, uh, and their children and their grandchildren that would have had personal encounters with Jesus Christ still during that particular time. And as the movement of Christianity began to grow and sweep and continue to go, one of the things about the early church fathers, they were, there were many of them that were great authors. They were great writers. Uh, if you were over in the Middle East and you're in Europe and all over Europe, they were great historians. And there, there's fascinating things that for millenniums now have been there. Uh, you can go to the Middle East today. I was studying some things recently, and you can see uh, the church. Of, uh, go to uh, Bethlehem, and you can see the Church of the Nativity, which is interesting. That's the actual place. Uh, and I believe it is the actual place where Jesus was born. Only not just that, you know, ornate building itself. Uh, you have to go down below that building because below that building, there's a whole other uh, building down below it, another place down below it. Not necessarily a building, but a whole different place. And uh, it was built on top of that. And it was uh, preserved. And I believe God has used people uh, for you know well over a thousand years, obviously, uh, to preserve many of the Christian areas so it, it goes with our history to go along with our faith that comes from the Word of God so we don't have to just live on imagination. Good, yes, man. Can I have a better amen? amen. And um, so uh, in, anyway, around 350 or 360, right in that area, uh, there was a lady named uh, Helena, who was actually the mother of Constantine. And she, having become a convert, and was fascinated with Jesus. And she actually went to uh Jerusalem and she went to Bethlehem and she went into those areas and she required that they preserve those places and they did massive interviews and talked with people who would be like great great grandchildren of some of the people who actually walked with Jesus in those particular days and and recorded it and those writings are uh, available today of course you can still find them if you uh, not always in English but if you can find them they're great to have And they give, they just give some context to go along and some content to go along with the context when you, when you're studying. And it's fascinating to me. Well, I think of Joseph and I'm thinking if, if God is going to send his son, the Savior of the world, uh, to be in human form for 33 and a half years and to go through the whole process of, of kenosis for us where he, he empties himself of that role in that office and he comes down to here and then he serves his way back into that uh, same exact position that he had. Uh, Who would he have training him? Someone like Mary. Mary's an interesting thing. She wasn't divine, but she was blessed. Hallelujah. But there's things about her that we see first of all in the scripture. And then there's a lot of history that for 1600 years of, of writing about her. Uh, has been recorded about her, and I'll talk more about that later. But uh, then when I think of who would the father figure be that trained Jesus to become a man? Because He was God in flesh, but the Scripture says He went through the process of humanity for you and me. He walked it back uh, in reverse for us. He came and rolled it back, what Adam had had lost for us, Jesus came and reclaimed it for us. Adam should have been in a a great place to do that, but of course he could not. And uh, Jesus came, the Bible calls him, the Apostle Paul writes and calls him the second man, Adam. And Jesus came and he went through that process for us. And uh, years ago, I've thought many times and talked about it in one particular uh, uh, time, I was doing a a speech to uh, some writers and stuff. And I said something like, I've often been fascinated with the personality of Jesus. What if, what if you could just be there and watch him and walk around and just admire him and just um, look at him and study him if you were, could go back to that particular time, you know, 1900 years ago and, and just walk with him and just take notes on his personality and his, and his facial inflections and, and did he ever frown at something or how much did he laugh? And, and uh, all of the things about that make up your personality and that make up who you are. And Jesus had to be the perfect 10. Come on, give me a better amen than that. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any better. But he had to have grown through that to become that because he went through that process for us. So uh, you can be sure that it was important to God That God chose someone who could help nurture in those early years, who could help nurture that human character to go along with the divine nature that was in him, the divine person who was developing in that humanity. So it would not resist, so him, the flesh would not resist that spiritual call. So they had to walk uh, uh, just like you and I should learn, and we should be growing in it every day in this uh, symbiotic relationship between your spirit, your soul, and your flesh. So uh, the Holy Spirit is not going to change, but we're supposed to change into His image. A little more, the Bible says, from glory to glory. And so if Jesus, obviously, in, in His humanity being the perfect ten... For a man, uh, what were some of the traits and characteristics that God used in his formative years? I don't have to talk to you; you're all adults in here. Uh, that children, when they're little, uh, they, especially in the first seven or eight years of their life, their their character and their personality and and their reflex emotionally and mentally is being greatly formed and greatly shaped. I'm not saying that after that time that. There's no help for them, so to speak, and nothing could ever change. No, uh, today's never forever. Come on, shout amen. So things can always get better. Thank God for Jesus. That's the greatest intervention every one of us have when He becomes real in our life. Uh, But uh, I don't think Jesus uh, had terrible twos. No. No, I think Jesus uh, somehow learned, the Bible says, obedience. The Scripture says he learned obedience. He didn't learn rebellion through the things he suffered. The Bible says he learned obedience. He didn't learn fear through the things he suffered. He learned obedience. He learned how to obey his way through anything and get a victory at the end of it. Are you with me? Uh, Obedience is better than sacrifice. The Bible says, and to hearken to God is better than the fat of the ram or or the, the greatest offering they could give. Nothing is better than obeying God and being obedient. So let me just take this. Uh, are you all okay? Am I setting this up all right for you? Uh, I'll just teach for a few minutes uh, this afternoon. Matthew chapter 13. If I can, I'll begin right there and I'll uh, bring it back because this is a subject that um, it's a topic that over the years I've put an enormous amount of thought into and have written more about it in my own personal notes, than you want me to try to talk about tonight. I promise you. Matthew chapter 13. Notice if you would please, beginning in verse verse 54. Let's let's go to the, the last four verses. Verse 54, Matthew 13, and it should be on the screen. And when He, speaking of Jesus, when He was come into His own country, He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished And they said, "Whence hath this man, this wisdom, or where did he give this wisdom? And these mighty works, Jesus is already just right out of the chute doing miracles, signs and wonders. Look at verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is this the carpenter's son? An interesting statement right there. Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and and, uh, Joseph's? And S- uh, Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Now, I know that in some arenas, that almost gets you in a fist fight to read that right out of the Bible, because Mary had at least seven children, because there's four of Jesus's flesh brothers that uh, are given out, plus. Uh, His sisters, that's a plural, there were at least two of them. And then Jesus himself being the first. So that would be at least seven. And they're named in the scripture right there. And so Jesus not only was born of the virgin, but she didn't stay a virgin. Come on, be adult with me. All of her life, because she, of course, was married to Joseph and they had another family. And you can be sure the two of them knew that there was something special about this first one. Give me two big amens right there. And they knew that one didn't get on this planet the same way the rest of us did. And uh, there was something inside of them. They were selected by God. They were chosen by God uh, to do what they do. Uh, Many uh, times we hear the traditional thought and... uh, And I really don't take joy in necessarily melting down tradition that is sometimes not always in line with the Word of God. It's kind of in line with the Word of God, but not always in line with the Word of God. Uh, And so uh, there are a lot of things that we choose to believe because we saw a movie or we heard something or somebody told us when we were young or we heard the song, but we can't necessarily find it actually in the Bible. Uh, For instance, Jesus was not, uh, I mean, uh, Joseph was not a poor carpenter. Like this poor carpenter struggling, hardly going to get by and all that stuff. Uh, I personally do not believe, nor nor was Mary. I'll talk maybe about that on uh, Sunday. Uh, Mary wasn't, she didn't come from a poor family at all. History is well written on that. Uh, And then we'll see some things in the scripture. But they were virtuous. They were godly. Uh, and, and they were skilled, uh, especially Joseph. Joseph was very skilled. You'll notice the scripture right here. It says, is this not the carpenter's son? Now, the carpenter, of course, would have been Joseph. And his son, they, they thought that Jesus was the flesh and blood son of Joseph, the carpenter. But the word carpenter there is not the word for just a common carpenter. The word carpenter is the word tecton, T-E-K-T-O-N. Come on, say, I will never forget. forget. Tecton. It's the Greek word. Those of you that like to do word studies, you'll see it. And and a, a tecton was not just an average, low-paid uh, carpenter or anything of that nature. Uh, the word tecton, and if he's got it, put it up on the screen for me If you've got it up there, the word tecton. Uh, we we kind of get one word like technology from it. It actually is the root for that for the word technology. Uh, do you have that word? Do you have tecton uh, available. And uh, but so it's one who makes a, a tecton was one who was highly advanced in his skill. Uh, the word tecton you can see it in several different uh, uh, places, but the word tecton means one who would make like real exquisite furniture, high-end furniture, one who made jewelry, high-end jewelry, uh, especially someone who was good in working with stone, uh, someone who did mosaics. It was a very skilled person. It, it's even uh, sometimes what we would call the building supervisor of the project, of the job, the foreman, the manager, the... the um, the word uh, tecton is from the, it's the root of the word uh, architecton. And the architecton was the chief uh, architect, the one, and I'd call him the, um, uh, you know, the main, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, big, the biggest builder, you know, the, the biggest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The contractor, thank you. The general contractor of the whole project. And, he, and the one who designs it and does all of that. And they were the high paid people. Uh, And so Joseph was a tecton, the Bible says, emphatically. And he was not somebody that just kind of got by. Now, he was out of the town of Nazareth uh, for for most of his life right there. And right outside of Nazareth, there's four miles out of Nazareth, still there today, outside of Nazareth uh, is another uh, another city uh, called Sepphoris. Uh, It's about four, maybe maximum five miles, depending on where you go from, uh, called Sepphoris. And it is a beautiful city. It, it was built by one of the Herods, a guy named Herod Antipas, uh, because he needed a big banking center. He needed a place as the, uh, the empire was expanding. They needed to be able to uh, bank there. They had, uh, it was a place of affluence. Uh, the wealthy lived in Sepphoris, especially the highly educated, the wealthy lived there. That's actually where Mary was from, where she grew up and where her father was one of the head scribes at the temple there. That's an interesting thing. We'll talk about that more on Sunday. And um, so in Sepphoris, uh, it was a place of commerce, but it was a place that was being built, and it was being built very exquisite. And you can pull it up on the internet, and you can see it nowadays, and it's a very, very cool place to live. You'd want to live there. Uh, it'd be a very nice place to live. And so it's been around for quite a, uh, quite a while, obviously. Well, Joseph was a tecton who worked in Sepphoris a lot. Uh, He probably resided in Nazareth and then would go into uh, Sepphoris and do his work Uh, because that's where the money was. That's where the big high-end buildings were being built, the homes, the the buildings and things of that nature and all the architectural things and uh, artistic things that he was involved in. His name was Joseph. And while he is there, in all probability, historians say, because he was a man who went to the temple. He was a man of custom. He was a man of faith. Uh, the, one of the top scroll scribes uh, was uh, uh, Mary's father. And uh, the scriptures give his name and all that stuff. Uh, his father was her father. And so uh, they would have met. And when a young girl in that day especially... As she began to grow up, uh, after she passed twelve, by the time she was thirteen, they were looking for a husband, not the girl. The mom and daddy were. Mary was probably around fourteen years old when she was betrothed to Jesus. If if the if history uh, repeats itself in that, and if culture repeats itself, she would have been about that amount of time. And the betrothal in those days was different. Once a family or individuals had made a decision to get married that they were going to be betrothed, then they spent one year uh, in, we'll just call it counseling, learning how to be married. They could not have sex. They could not come together. They were in a one-year planning to be able to get married. Uh, It's not necessarily a bad technique. Can I have two amens on that? And so they would be learning about uh, being married because I promise you, you can get married, but when you get married, you're going to learn how to be married. And the more you can learn about how to be married before you get married, and I'm not talking about sex, the more you can learn about it, I promise you, the better off and the greater the foundation will be the day you say, I do. Uh, But that being said, praise the Lord. Y'all doing okay? So Joseph would have met Mary's uh, parents or definitely... Uh, her father, because of just the temple and because he was a well-respected, well-known, he's got a career, he's a tecton already. Uh, He is not just a a struggling carpenter trying to, uh, you know, hold out to the end. And I think that's really powerful that God uh, chose someone like that to be the male model uh, that was going to train his son to be able to contain in his early humanity... Uh, at least until he was 12, uh, to contain that glory of God that was in him from the time he was born Amen. instead of rebelling against it and fighting against it. And so we see some things about him that I personally think are pretty interesting. Is this interesting to y'all? Uh, so uh, Joseph, it was believed, would work in Sephora, which was once again a real booming city, And there he met them. And I believe that he was good at what he did or he would not be classified because the city, the people knew him as the tecton. It's not like he was trying to label himself. They said, is this that tecton, that carpenter? Is this the tecton's son? And the people knew about uh, who Joseph was. And that's how they would describe Jesus. Like he's that rich builder. He's that rich contractor. Is that his boy? And that's how they were talking about him. You mean that guy that does all of that great mosaic and that great work and, and all? that's his son? Where did he learn that kind of wisdom and where did he get that kind of power to do those mighty acts? And that's how they would identify Jesus. I just think that's interesting. Yep. Hallelujah. What's your reputation? What, what's your reputation? I'm just asking. I mean, don't tell me. But just think about it. Can, can I just ask you to stop going around, giving your reputation like you're an ex-divorcee uh, or an ex-drug addict or you're an ex-this or an ex-that. Now, if God gives you an opportunity uh, to give a, a, a testimony and a witness to get someone saved and all of that, you use what you've got going to it. But the rest of the time, you're just extremely blessed. Amen. That needs to be your reputation, your everything about you. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I want to remind you, you have children and you got grandkids. And sometimes what you talk about, about what you used to be, it almost comes out in a braggadocious manner. And it ought to be a remorseful thing, except God set me free from it. And that's where the bragging ought to start. Come on. That's where the joy ought to start. That's where the blessing, uh, it almost ruined, uh, they almost ruined full gospel businessmen and those ministries which were so huge and so powerful that were having such a huge impact in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s because guys became professions. They just would go from chapter to chapter and uh, they would... Uh, get real good at telling about what they used to do and what used to be and the trouble they were in and all the women they used to be with and all the years they spent in prison, and all the drugs they used to do and all the partying they used to do and all of this and all the fighting and the murdering they used to and on and on and on. And they'd rattle on for 90 minutes about it. And everybody'd be laughing and carrying on. And then they'd give Jesus five minutes of, well, but Jesus set me free from all that. Now I'm just a dull me. You ought to be giving God a lot more glory than you do the old story. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If the sun sets you free, you really ought to be free. Right. Hallelujah. Everybody's got dirt. Everybody's got a yesterday. I don't care who you are. Everybody's made of dirt. Everybody's got dirt. That's right. uh, this is, just comes with a package. Plenty of dirt. That's right. But uh, you know, you ought not be glorying in your dirt. But we should glory in the God of our salvation. So, anyway, my question of it is um, uh, when, when, even when you bring up some of those things, make sure you season it correctly. Good, yeah. Don't ever make it sound like it was more fun. Like, man, we used to do this, we used to do that, we used to, now all we do is go to church. I mean, you just telegraph to that kid stuff that it's hard to get it back out of them once you do that. Praise the Lord. Look at two people and say, we should have stayed home tonight. Come on. Uh, Use wisdom in it. Come on, you're who you are today because you are so far ahead of where you used to be. So we don't glory in our used to. Hallelujah. And once again, all of us have a past. It don't make any difference who you are. We've all got them. Thank God it's there too. It's in the past. Praise the Lord. But Joseph was a faithful man. The Bible says that in, in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, that he that's faithful in little things, he said he's this faithful with a little money. God will make him ruler over much. And I think Joseph, uh, at his age, which was probably around the 30-year age, he, was, he would have been a little bit older than, than Mary, all historians say. Uh, but he was developing his skill set and his character. Uh, we'll read about it here real quick, and my time's about up, uh, because I promised I could do this for an hour, uh, but, and I'm not going to because I hear that out in the front four, you're calling my name right now. Oh, (laughs) glory to God. Uh, But be that as it may, his character uh, was being developed. He was being faithful. Can I use this term? He was being faithful with a little. And God was about to give him the oversight of much. Much. And so uh, the Scripture says of, of Joseph that in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, 42, right in that area. Uh, if you have Luke chapter 2, stick it up on the board for me, please. And uh, Luke 2, now his parents, Jesus' parents, this is uh, uh, 12 years old now. Jesus uh, was 12. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Next verse. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Joseph was a man, write these things down. I'm just going to give them to you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here it is. He was a man who was faithful in his role as a husband, a father, and a man. He was faithful. He had certain uh, structures of, of routine about his life. And God knows that routine is extremely necessary in training children. And he had a certain structure about his life that every year he was faithful to take his family and to go and be involved in the Passover and to go. And the Bible takes pains to say that to us. Every year they did it. Uh, Those are huge character indicators. Because think about your own life. What are the things of faith? What are the things of, uh, of God that every year you can look back on and say, I've been doing this, I've been doing it, I've been doing it. And I believe when God chose a man like Joseph, he prepared Joseph a certain way. And uh, he's a great model, I believe, for us as men, as sons, uh, as fathers, as brothers, and definitely as Christians. He has a huge uh, character, a personality thing. In Luke chapter 2, verse 41, verse 42, right in that area, Put it up if you would, please. In uh, Luke chapter 2, give me the scripture again. Uh, The Bible says, uh, the parents went to uh, Jerusalem every year. He was a faithful man. Look, he was faithful in his religious or his faith commitment. Not only was he faithful in routine, and I know you're a hardworking person. Look, I know it, and I, I bless the Lord for it. Can you imagine how a guy in his day who was a tecton that didn't have a bulldozer? He didn't have block and tackle. Uh, He had certain kind of tools that were custom made to be able to do what they do. Can you imagine how tired and how many hours these guys were putting in? But he always the Scripture says, was faithful to do what he did. I bless the Lord for that. I want to be that kind of person. Uh, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, the second thing, write this down. He was a very kind man. Uh, he was very kind. The Scripture says, uh, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that uh, when uh, his mother Mary, let me turn and read it this way, his mother Mary was espoused there in that first one-year period, Um. Uh, To Joseph, before they came together, that actually says, before they had any sexual relationship, she was a virgin. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Next verse. Then Joseph, her husband, she's a spouse to him. There's a contract there. Uh, Being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, he was minded to put her away privately. Obviously, she was in a very dangerous place at this point because if a a young girl in that particular day were to get pregnant and not be married, she actually has broken a law. And uh, especially when you realize who she was and who her parents were, Uh, it it could have really, really come down hard on her. But the Bible says that love covers a multitude. And though she never sinned, obviously, but he had that, that nature about him, that kindness about him, the Bible says. He was not willing to make an example of her. Uh, I don't know if Joseph and Mary had fallen madly in love at that particular time. I really don't know. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says they had fallen in love like they saw each other the first time and kaboom, that was it. And, uh, you know, everything else just details the rest of their life. That, that, that's The Bible doesn't say that at all. They had never had sex. They had never spent the night together. They were not in that particular uh, role yet, knowing they would be one day if they were in a betrothal and a spouse like that. And he already uh, is uh, committed to her by contract and she's committed to him by contract, but there's a year gap in there. And during that year period of time, she comes up pregnant. Oh, hallelujah. And by all law, uh, he could have said... Okay, it didn't work, and I'm just not going to have anything to do with it. And he sure could have said, I know I didn't do that. So if I didn't, someone else did. But that would have been his first inclination to think that. But he had a kindness about him that he was not willing to have her publicly humiliated, scourged, and possibly stoned. He did not want that to happen. Uh, and, And she was just a young girl. How many of you glad you and I uh, have the kindness of God in our life? Come on, men, you want to be a good man? Have a kind heart. When Cindy and I uh, prayed for years uh, for our uh, daughters to marry good men, and I've said this many times, especially when I've done series on families and stuff, uh, I talk about it a lot. It was my regular prayer to pray, God, let my daughters... Uh, Have wisdom and choose men who are kind men, who are not brutish and rough and mean toward them. Because I don't want to kill anybody. (laughs) And if I missed, I guarantee you, Cindy, she'd pick it up, you know, y'all know the routine. And uh, no, but just like I, I trust you pray that over your family and then you should pray that over yourself that you never want to be that way. I told Cindy when we, when we uh, uh, were about to get married uh, many years ago, I promise I said this to her for, for what it's worth. It's just I look back on things like this today and think, I must have heard my daddy say this or something. I'm not sure. I wasn't smart enough to say it. But I, I told her, I said, honey, I promise you that I, uh, it's possible I may be an old bald-headed man one day if you marry me, you know, but I promise you I will never be a mean old bald-headed man. I will never be mean to you like that. I just won't do it. And, uh, and it was a real uh, a target in my life to want to be like that. And I thought that was really me, you know, being good to her. And guess what, guys? That was what I needed for me. I mean, it literally is what shaped and helped me break that iniquity of a hot temper and a foul mouth and all of that kind of stuff because I made a covenant, I made a vow that I would not be mean to her, never lift my hand to her in anger, none of those things like that. Uh, Because uh, obviously, that's what life is, it happens in life a lot of times. But in these first 43 years, you know, I hadn't had to straighten her out like that yet, so praise the Lord. (laughs) If she hears this, I am dead meat. I can tell you all that right now. Glory to God. No, don't ever ever get over to that stuff. Everybody shout kind. And then you notice it says, that he was a virtuous man. Matthew one eighteen, it says, before they came together. And God, once again, goes to that extreme to let us know that. That she had conceived, of course, we know the story of Mary. We'll hear about that later. But think about Joseph for a moment. And he knew that he had not had a relationship with her, a sexual relationship with her. Just think about it. But that virtuousness that was in him, maybe, listen, maybe he could have taken advantage of her. Maybe she, he was older than her. I'm just talking in the natural here. Uh, he's a little older than her. She's young. She's inexperienced. He would be more experienced in life, uh, obviously, than she would have been at that particular point. And so just take it out of the Joseph and Mary concept and just think of the human concept for just a moment. But he did not go there. He wouldn't, he wouldn't start fires that he couldn't put out in righteousness. Can I say that? Y'all doing all right? Amen. Y'all not even going to want to come out in the you with me now. Y'all going to think I'm, I'm talking about someone, and I'm not. I'm reading up in the Bible about Joseph. <laughs> come on, lift the heavy burden, get the guilt off you. I'm not talking, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the Scripture here. I'm going be glad God has set us free. Huh? Come on. <laughs> I just felt like a hush, like a, like a, a blanket fell over the crowd all of a sudden when I said that. Maybe that's where I need to go next week. (laughs) And um, so he was a virtuous man. He was a a pure man. Then the fourth thing, he was a just man. In Matthew 119, it says that he was a just man. And just meant that he wanted his life to have an innocence, a a purity, an innocence to it. He, He did not want to be a person who had a lot of guilt in his life. An interesting word to me. Uh, But he was that kind of a man. God, help us to structure our life in such a way that we don't just get away with something, but then we have to live with the guilt of it. But God, we don't want guilt in our life. We want to be just people. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the fifth thing, it says that he was, uh, Matthew one twenty that he could hear God. Look at verse 20. God speaks to him in a dream. And begins to talk to him. Uh, When he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, is of the Holy Ghost. I don't care who you are. If you believe it, you're a spiritual man. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, This one doesn't take a theologian to figure this one out. If God appears to you in a dream, starts telling you that, uh, that Mary is... Uh, has been impregnated by the Word and the Spirit of God, and you believe it so much that you act on it. And when you believe it, you don't believe anything that you don't do. I can just tell you that right now. Uh, People say, I believe that. You know, I believe in Jesus, but I don't live for God. Well, I I don't think you believe anything you don't do. And so it's very important uh, because it's not a matter of what you are internally always uh, that impresses anyone. It's how you Uh, put that into action in your life. And you and I should be doers of the Word of God and not just hearers only. The Bible says deceiving ourselves. It's very wise that we understand it. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So he was a very spiritual man because, now listen, because he could hear God, now listen, in a time of stress, pressure, and anxiety. Put yourself in Joseph's place for just a moment. We know Mary, it, I mean, we see the story of Mary and, and we see all the pictures and we see all those wonderful things and rightfully so. But just take that out of the picture for a moment and just think of the guy she's engaged to and for him to believe that not because she said to him, but because God said to him and he believed it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's a great thing if Pastor Hallam says something to you and you say, hallelujah, it's another thing though. If you're studying the word of God, you're praying or whatever, and God says something to you and you act on it. Woo, glory to God. Then you're just beginning to grow into that spiritual role. This is the kind of man that would have trained uh, Jesus in his male humanity. Man, what a great guy. Hallelujah. Uh, the sixth thing, uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, he, he obeyed. Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did, as the angel of the Lord uh, had spoken to him to do. That's so powerful, because he was an obedient man. My time is up. He was an obedient man. He was a guy that, that obeyed, He was spiritual. He acted on it. He acted on it. Imagine if you're Jesus, young boy, being raised up and your your father model in front of you is a man that obeys God. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support Uh, Men and women, i found, are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So, text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.